we're going to start out with Second Chronicles chapter 14. So if you want to just kind of make your way there, that'd be great. Um, but uh, when Jason asked me to, to do this, to do the seminar, I actually threw out some ideas of stuff that I've learned. I think I threw out like three or four different things that I have been learning in my life, you know, and you're like, hey, so I, I don't know, this is something I could talk about, this is something. And what we're talking about today, Jason, I think right away you went, oh, that's, I think that's it, you know, I want, I want to do that. And it's, we enti- I titled it, Good Ideas Are Not Necessarily God's Ideas. Um, doing, the, doing a really great thing is not necessarily always the right thing. And so I thought, as a pastor, you know, this is just something that I have been learning. And if anything else, seriously, this is just one of those three or four things that I knew that if I just shared with you guys, it would reinforce it in with me. So I'm a little bit selfish with this, but it, will, it really will reinforce this with me. And I know... I, Whatever I'm going to share with you, the insights that I've gotten from these couple of passages, actually a couple of examples of leaders that made really, had really good ideas of solving things, but it wasn't the right idea. It wasn't God's idea. And uh, as I go through this and I share you my insights, I, I know that you're going to have your own. I just know it. So write your own notes, right? I'll give you some of the stuff that hit me, but... As we're going through this, maybe there's going to be something I don't even touch. You're going to go, oh, my goodness, this totally relates to me. I mean, that's how God's word and God's spirit works with us anyway. So let me pray for us. Um, God, thank you so much for uh, our time together. And uh, just, to, God, that it would be so good for us to be able to see a couple of examples in your word. And really you working through these two people are trying to at times. And, um, and God, that we would learn from sometimes the mistakes of other people, and then also uh, from their successes. But it's really about you, God, and how you work and how you want us to rely on you. So, God, I pray that we would, as all of us are facing decisions to do in our church, with the church, and all of us are, whatever those decisions are, God, that we would just take a breath, step back a little bit, and really counsel with you and your word to see if this is what you want us to do, not just do what we think is what's best to do. It's so easy to do that, God, because we're really good thinkers in this room, and we're really good at thinking on our feet, and we're really good at leading. So that's actually a detriment at times. So, God, I pray we would continue to just rely on you. In your name, amen. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 14, we're just going to, as we go through this, going to see a guy named Asa, King Asa, one of my favorite kings uh, I, that I've learned so much about. And then, uh, and then we're going to see a guy named, I don't know if you've heard of him, David, um, who didn't always make the best decisions. Uh, but the first one, Asa, is uh, somebody who, made a, who was doing it really well, made a great decision, and then a poor one. And David was the opposite, made a poor decision and then made a, a better one. Um, so I just want to read through it and then make my comments as we, as we go through it, just to re- familiarize ourselves with Asa and with David in the situation we're going to be looking at him with. So, so let me just start out with chapter 14 of Second Chronicles. Uh, Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land had rest for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars, cut down the ashram, 
and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandments. He also took out all of the cities of Judah, uh, the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had, had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. And the land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, um, armed with large shields and spears and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. And, they, and all these were mighty men of valor. So before we go into verse, verse 9, I, I, when I'm reading this, I go, well, I just feel like he's a good leader. I mean, he's just a probably natural, probably good leader. But he's also at this point in his life going, hey, all that stuff that we have is from God. I mean, we know that. Like, you guys know that he's the one who's given us peace. It's him. So not self-reliant, but relying on, on God. And it carries on in verse 9 where he says, Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots and came as far as Marishah. And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Seraphath and Marishah. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. What a great prayer. Uh, that, anything else, that, man, that is a great prayer. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until none remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away very much spoil, and they attacked all the cities around Gerar, and for the fear of the Lord was, was upon them. They plundered all the cities, for there was much plunder in them, and they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away sheep in abundance and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Oh my goodness, this is so, it's, it really is awesome. And you keep seeing, at least I do, I keep seeing like, and the Lord did this, and the Lord did this. Asa wasn't taking any credit. It's all God doing it, and I'm relying on God. Whatever you want, God, this is your battle. This is your war. This is your, this is your kingdom. This is your stuff. We're just here, and we just want to rely on you. So I, a great start for it. And, and I think as in leadership, I think even some of us right now are going, oh, that's the way to lead. Okay, that's the way. This is not our church. This is God's church, God's people, God's ministries, God's... You know, God's successes, not ours. And I need to hear that from my own mouth right now again. I need to hear that. Because I'm telling you, at least for me, I can tell you all the right things. And I can even tell myself that I believe all these right things. But I'm telling you, man, there's times in my life where I think is my success. Even... I succeeded this for God. Even that, like God's in it. Like, you know what I mean? I, I did this for God. Look, God, what, this is what we're doing for you. This is what we're doing for you. And man, it's so easy to do that. It's just a little bit of a twist. 
But that is not, that's destruction. That's going in a way that's going to lead pride, unreliance on God. Um, God's never meant for us to do things for him. I, I keep reminding myself, we're never meant to do things for God. We are meant, God is meant to do things with and through us. That's, that's the plan. God gets all the glory. And uh, so just reminded, just a couple thoughts in my mind on that. Um, which isn't even about the whole decision-making thing yet. But there you go. Um, chapter 15, does reforms, still doing well. Man, he's serious, and he's telling everybody else now, now I'm not the only one that wants to be serious. We've got to all be serious. Even stands up to his mom. Remember that? At the end of chapter 15, you know, his mom, you know, wants to have an idol there, and he goes, no, we're not going to do that. So, wow, I'm putting God in front of even this family relationship that I, I can't, I, I got to do this. I just see his de dedication. And then, and it says uh, in verse 19 of chapter 15, and there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Years and years go by. And I don't know what happens sometimes. Maybe when things are going so well for such a long time, maybe it's actually easier for me not to stay reliant on God. You ever thought about that? I think crisis sometimes, you know, you keep going through it. You, you remember those times in, in ministry where it's like, you just know you're, it just can't, you can't, you can't handle it. You just know you can't. And it makes me just drive to God, praying way more than I have before. Oh, I mean, just, well, we definitely can't handle this one. And the times that I think things are going really well for such a long time really can make me forget that I still need that same reliance on God. And I think that's what happened with Asa. In the 36th year, chapter 16, of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah that he might permit no one to go out or come into to Asa, king of Judah. There's the problem. Baasha. <laughs> Not the Ethiopians, just Baasha. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, there is a covenant between me and you, and there was between my father, as was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered uh, Ijan, Dan, Abel-Maim, and, and, and the store cities of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah, all the stuff that he was, Baasha was building this stuff with, and its timber. And, and with it, ba, uh, with which Baasha had been building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. So Asa goes, okay, here's a problem. Ethiopians, way bigger than I can ever, there's no way I can handle this one. God, I, 
really need you. This one, again, the problem I think sometimes, I told you one, is like after years of like everything's going great, it's really easy not to rely on God. And then there's these times in my life where I go, I, I want to say it's like, well, this is like such a thing. I mean, who wants to bother God with this one? You know, who wants to bother God with this? And I know that's not, that's not even really what I really think. I think that's probably the joking answer. I, I, I can handle this. I can handle this. And we're built, I think so many of us in this room, you're, you're wired to handle problems. You're wired for it. You're, you're good at it. I'm good at it. I can think on my feet, as I said before. I can. You got a problem? This is obviously the answer. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a good answer. You know what? We have the money to be able to. Pay. We don't, we, we don't even have to go to fight, you guys. This is even, this is a really good plan. This is a really good idea. We don't have to fight. We won't have to lift one finger. Nobody's going to get hurt. If anybody's going to get hurt, it's going to be the Syrians with with Israel. I mean, that's, we'll just give them enough money, pay this thing. We have the money. God's given us the money. Whatever you want to say. And let's use this money to do this. And this is going to solve the problem. So they do it. And the worst thing, the worst thing about operating according to our flesh, which is what we find out, we did, he wasn't relying on God. If you're not relying on God, what are you relying on yourself? My own strength, my flesh, my own muscles, my own. That's what I was thinking about when I'm operating according to the flesh. It's just me. The worst thing about operating according to the flesh is not that it doesn't work. The worst thing about operating according to our flesh is that it does work. That's the worst thing for us pastors that are so good at what we do. It's not that operating according to our flesh doesn't work. It's because it does work. And encourages us to continue to operate according to our flesh. Some, in some way, I wish, I was like, God, why did you make this work? Why did you allow this to work? And I think he's trying to teach here that this thing that, man, the ends doesn't justify the means. I don't know we know that, but I don't, I don't know that I believe that at times. If it turns out good, that's the most important thing. If it just turns out good, that's the most important thing. How we get there, yeah, we don't want to cross certain line. What, you know, okay, but, but it's, what really matters is where we get, where we get to. And, and, and sometimes if this, this turned out so great, I think sometimes I can go, this turned out so great. Look at the results of this. Turned out so great. How can it not be from God? How can it not be from God? I mean, it's got to be what God wanted. I could think, Asa's got to be thinking, even if he's not like, well, I, you know, wow, you know what, I don't know. I, did, I guess I didn't pray as much as maybe I could have or should have. Boy, I, I hope that God was okay with this. Oh, look, it worked out. He must have been. He must be. 
And, and I think God, God really wants to teach me, maybe teach us, that the, the ends isn't what matters as much as the means. The means matters more than the ends. That's, like, it's not even equal. It, how we get to where we get to is more important than a success at the end of the, at the, end of the journey. It's more important. And you think, man, but look at, Asa didn't lose any men. Nobody lifts a finger. Nobody, then they go and they take all the stuff that Baasha had to leave behind because he's in a hurry because now he's being attacked by the north. Now he's got to go up there, take all the stuff, all the timber, and build two, and build two more cities. Oh, two church plants came out of this. That's got to be from God. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and didn't rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. Why, why wouldn't you rely on me on a smaller thing? Yet because you relied, yet for the eyes, of, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless or holy, holy toward him. You've done foolishly in this. From now on you'll have worse. And of course, Asa was angry. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and it turns out great and you're like, wow, this had a great idea, you had a great thing, everybody's going, it's so great. And somebody comes and says, you know, you, they, somehow they know, they just know, you did it in your own flesh. And they just go, you, you, this, this is not good at all. You, you don't even know, you don't even know what, what would have happened and what could have happened if you relied on God, you think this is great. This is actually not great at all. I could see myself getting pretty angry. How, wh who are you telling me this? Don't you see it worked out? Don't you see that we got two more cities out of this whole thing? What, what were we supposed to do? Come on. And, and I could see that. I totally can relate to that. But here's a good idea. Here's something that even turned out well, and it wasn't from God. And it's just, again, reminding me, like, I, I need to keep looking at how we're getting wherever we're getting. Not necessarily the, the destination, but are we relying on God? Like, me and our elders, our, our leadership, are we continually going to God, even if we think, oh, I think we got the answer to this one. We got this, we, we got this one handled. No, we don't. And let's go to him. And he might not have the idea that we have. He might have something else. He might even tell us to do exactly what we are doing. I don't know, but we're, there's a big difference between me doing what we're doing on my, my strength and me doing what we're doing, relying on God and going to him and saying, how do you want us to handle this? And it might be even harder. It might be longer. It might not look as good, but it's, it's the good way to go.
that's what hits me from Asa. It hit me so much that the ends doesn't justify the means. It doesn't matter how it ends up. How are we getting there? So maybe ask yourself, look, we got this goal. How, how we get there, relying on God, that's what matters. Even if we never get to that goal, let's keep relying on God. The second one, you turn to First Chronicles, turn back. First Chronicles 13. And this is David now. David had a really good idea. It was a really good idea. Um, chapter 13, verse 1, David consulted with the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in all the lands of Israel as well as to the priests and the Levites in the, in the cities that have pasture lands, that they may be gathered to us. Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. So David has this idea, let's bring the ark back into, let's bring the, the thing that represents the presence of God back into the city. And I think to myself, let's, let's get God in the church. Let's get God. Let's, how can we just really understand and just see the presence of God in our church? We've got this great idea in order to make this happen. For our church, this is going to be good. We're, we, we want God to be with it. And if it's good with you guys, and he, guys, I really just feel like he just throws in the hole. If it seems good to you and from the Lord our God. That's the only phrase that even mentions God for this whole thing. It's crazy because everything they do, it doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't even say like, and so then he went to God and acquired, because so many times it says that about David, he acquires of God, you know, he goes, he goes and says, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inquiring of you, what do you want me to do? It, it doesn't happen here. He goes, you know, if it sounds really good to you and, if, and, and good with God, then, then let's, let's get the ark, let's all get together, get this ark and come back. And it says in verse four, all the assembly, commanders of thousands of hundreds, Every leader, all the assembly agreed to do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. This is good. I, man, I, if I got every leader in our church and I said, I got this guy, Dia, let's do this. Anybody, anybody here have any disagreement? And all the leaders went, that's, we totally agree. We totally agree. I think it has to be, it has, that idea has to be from God. It's just got to be. Not necessarily. We still got to check in with God. What does God's word say? But does God's word even imply anything that maybe the way or how we want to do this might not be the way that God would tell us to do it? And there's a lot of things in God's word that tells us how to operate as a church. There just is. Let's continue, by the way, let's continue to always go to that, you guys. Let's have our elders, have our leaders, always go back to what does God say about the church? What does God say about how the church should operate? How does he say it should operate according to Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, which talks to a church that is not operating well at all, which is a great book to read to talk about how to operate as a church with the giftedness. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. This is how we're supposed to operate. 
This is what the church's function is. That's never going to change. The form might change how we do the function, but these functions of the church isn't going to change. So let's make sure we're not doing something that's going to jeopardize that, even if it is a really good idea to do. But everybody's agreeing. It must be a great idea. So David assembled all Israel from the Nile of Egypt to Lebel Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to, to Abala, uh, that is the Kiriath Jerim that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart. From the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. I mean, it's just the best worship experience you ever had in your life. This has got to be from God. <laughs> it's got to be from God. They carry the ark on a new cart. Why did they carry the ark on a new cart? Because that's what, that's what you do. <laughs> because, because we have a new cart. <laughs> because we can build this cart. You know the old way of carrying the ark is so archaic. Putting poles through these hooks on the, and these loops on the ark and having these Levites you know, walk, carrying this thing, slower, less efficient, way more boring, harder, longer. We have a better way of doing this now. It's a better way. It's, it's popular. Everybody agrees with this way. Everybody does. It's newer. It's exciting. It's bigger. It's more efficient. It's faster. This is, it's got to be right if all of those adjectives go with it. It's got to be right. And how many times I'm, I'm, that, I'm hit with that. Everybody carries stuff with a new cart. And I don't know, and, and I, I think maybe even the culture around, well, this is what the culture around us does, how they do things. You know, we've, we've examined how all the businesses around us do this stuff and how the how many of these organizations do this business? Sometimes we even say what other churches are doing. And just because somebody else, another church is doing it this way doesn't necessarily mean that this is the way that God wants you to do it. I think you know that. But sometimes, like, well, let's, we've got to do it this way. And we get a good idea, and that's, oh, wow, look at church. Did you see that cart? That is a great, that cart will get us the ark there so much faster than any, anything else. Well, I, of course we're going to do this. And we're going to surround it with worship. And we're going to surround it with, we're praising God, and of course we're going to, we're going to dedicate this to God, but we've got this great idea. And sometimes I think I get, I get an idea, and then I, I, I go to God to bless the idea. You guys know what I'm saying. we got this good idea. So God, hey, you realize we can't do this without God, right? You realize we cannot do this without, this is the idea, but we got the idea, but 
We can't do this without God. We can't do this. So we, let's keep praying. And let's worship and let's pray and let's sing and let's make sure that we are do, like asking God to do this. Realize, not realizing that God is not just the being with all the power. We have no power. He's also the one with all the wisdom and we have no wisdom. He's also that God. That, that's who he is. But we're the ones with the wisdom and he's the one with the power. And that's what David did. And you guys know the rest of it. It's verse 9. And when they came to the threshing floor of uh, Chidon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark. You're not supposed to touch the ark. And he died there before God. But we find out later on, find out later on that God was, God was, not pleased with the way they were doing what they were what they were doing and look at verse 11 david was angry all these people just keep getting angry <laughs> but david was angry because the lord had broken out against uzzah guys i don't think i don't david was i don't david's not angry at uzzah he's angry because now the big plan i mean talk about talk about cold water on the big day Guy drops dead. You can't ignore that. <laughs> you know, it's not like the lighting just went out a little bit. It's angry. I would, I, if I was working the way that, operating the way that David was operating, I'd probably be angry too. I'm, I'm bummed to say that, but I probably would be. Look at all the work we put in this. And it says in verse 12, and David was afraid of God that day. He said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? Oh, man. Wow, it turns out it's really about me. Oh, my goodness, it turns out it's really about me. How am I going to look like a success now? So David didn't take the ark home into the city of David, but he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom and the Gittite, and the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house three months. The Lord blessed the household and all that he had. Three months. Sitting in somebody's garage in the suburb outside of Jerusalem. <laughs> guy dies. Okay, let's just let's just park it here. Let's go. For three months. Other stuff happens in chapter 14. You're like, okay, it's almost like the okay, this one's going on for three months. Chapter 15, it finally gets back to like this what so it's just gonna stay there? What's happening? And this is where it hits hits David. Verse chapter 15, David built houses for himself in the city of David and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Still want God in the city. We still want to have the presence of God. We got it. How can we do that? 
Then David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. For the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. David gathered together the sons, and just for the next several verses, all these different people that he gathers together. And in verse 12, and he said to them, you are the heads of the fathers of the fathers' houses of the Levites. So all these Levites, he gets together. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not seek him according to the rule. But this time, let's do it God's way and not the better way. Let's do it God's way, even if it's not the most efficient way. Let's do it God's way, even if it's not the popular way. Let's do it God's way, even if it's not the faster way. Even if it's not as exciting. You guys, I, I, something hit me and it's taken me three months I almost feel like David had his Bible next to his bed for three months and didn't even want to look at it at first because it's just everything was just horrible after this devastating failure. And finally he picks it up and says, okay, God, you have written in your word how to do this. Now, it's not written in God's word how to do every single idea that we have. And you guys, I'm not against innovation. In fact, we have one of our distinctives in our, for our church or for our staff is let's be innovative people. Let's keep coming up with ideas. So it's not like never do, you, know, you never change anything. You never do anything different. You never, you know, you do, but there are certain things that God does say in his word. Don't change this. Don't do this. If this compromises, if this distracts people from this, if this compromises this tenant, of what the church really is, what we really believe. I don't care what the culture's saying. I don't care what the culture's telling you to accept. I don't care what the culture's telling you how to do it. I don't care what's popular with it. Don't, don't, don't sway from the truth that I've given you that's close-handed thing. There's a lot of open-handed stuff, but there's some close-handed stuff. You gotta do it this way. But it's, but it's, but it's so old. It's archaic. It's so slow. This, this is how you make disciples? Isn't there a faster way than this? Somebody came up with a really fast way of doing it. No, you do it my way. Do it my way. If I've told you how to do it, then do it this way. And God was really clear. The way to move that ark is with two poles through some loops with some guys walking, carrying it. Then let's do it that way. And it might be less efficient. And it might be a lot slower. Other people around you would say, man, you, that, there's a faster way of doing this. You know that, right? I do, but I really feel like I really see that maybe doing that would would be bypassing some things that God really has for us. 
in the process that is really made clear in his word that we need to experience. Oh. It might be really small, a small way of doing it. We want to do things a big way. It might be boring, but it's going to be the right way. Not popular, harder, but it'll be the right way. Which means we've got to know what God's word actually says about how the church operates. Let's read God's word. Make sure that we're going, okay, does this violate God's word at all? If it does, it doesn't matter. Let's do it God's way. So I try to, I'm trying to remind myself all the time, okay, God, keep reminding me of what your word says about how we operate, how we're supposed to operate as followers of you, how we're supposed to operate as a church, how we're supposed to operate in ministry, what's important to you in ministry, not what's important to the people around me. What's important to you? And, and show us how to do that. And then I, I think to myself, and we got to pray. We got to be people that pray, pray, pray. If I wrote notes on this, what I get out of this, I would, my two notes would be read, 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 and pray, pray, pray. That would, that would be it. And surround myself with people who I know are, read, are reading, 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 and praying, and praying, and praying. Those are the elders I want to have. Um, that, that's the priority. Have we really sought God on this? Have we really taken time to sit down and ask God what he wants us to do? And have we seen what, if he says anything that even, even connects at all with what we want to do or violates what we want to do? Let's take some time and really look at it. And instead of ready, fire, aim, or ready, go for it, pray, how about we ready, pray, go for it? Um, that's what I learned. That's what I learned from Asa. That's what I learned from, from David. And every time I read this passage where I'm thinking about it, or maybe there's a psalm that goes back to this, I always think about the new cart thing and saying, new carts are really cool, but maybe the new cart isn't the way to go. Maybe it is. if it doesn't violate what God wants us to do and maybe supports really what God, how God wants us to operate. So it takes a lot of wisdom, but it takes a whole lot more of just relying on God and his wisdom, of course. That's what hits me. Maybe something hit you along the way of those two examples for us. But what I'd like to do, uh, what, how much, what time is it? Okay, so what I'd like to do maybe for the next 15 minutes, and I think the meeting starts at 10.30, 10.30, so next 15 minutes, maybe you came with somebody else, maybe somebody around your table, whatever, um, or maybe get move around, whatever you want to do. It could be just alone, too, if you want to, but if you, if you would, maybe even talk with another pastor from someplace else, and would you just share with each other, if there is any, what challenges are you facing right now in your church? Is it is it isn't it an attack like the Ethiopians are hitting? Like we it might be, it could even be something inside your church. Here's something that we're dealing with, that we need to make a decision the best way on how to how to deal with this. 
and we think it's this, but we want to make sure it's God's way. And would you just pray for that pastor that's sharing that with you? And if there's insight you have in God's word, share that too. Just be that counselor today for that person. And that you would listen to each other and just share if there's something going on. Or if there's, if it might be, like I said, like maybe a challenge, something going on. Or maybe it's like we, we really want to accomplish this in our church. But we're, we want to make sure that we're going to do the how. How we do it is really God's way of doing it. That's what we want to do. Here's what we're thinking. And share that. And maybe, again, if you have some insight with the person you're talking with, and say, here's my insight on this. This is what we've experienced with this. And this is how we've seen, sought God on this. And have you thought about this passage or what God's word says on this? Don't forget this. Just have a good conversation with each other for 15 minutes. And then would you just pray? Just pray for each other. Cool? Okay. Let me pray for us and then we'll do that. God, thanks again for, uh, for your time here. And um, with us, I am so thankful, God, for the reminder you just hit me. Um, there are still things that, oh, man, they have been, I would have said they're trivial. Oh, this is super easy. Here's the, here's the answer. Let's just go for it. Oh, God, forgive me for that. For, forgive me for being Asa. And God, forgive me for the times that I have a really good way and it's a faster way and a better way and a bigger way and a more efficient way. But I know there's been times that it has, it truly has taken away from what you have said the purpose of the church is. It has made me compromise on maybe a truth in your word that I thought wasn't a big compromise and we'll get back to it. Forgive me for that. God, that we would be in this room, we'd be pastors, leaders that would, everybody would, it would be so obvious that we are not the leaders at all, but that you and your son, Jesus Christ, is really the head of the church. You are leading the church. God, that we'd be okay if somebody says, oh, this is so boring. This is so slow. There's got to be a, a faster way than this, a more efficient way. That God, we would be the ones to be able to say, yeah, but God's word says this is the better way. This is the right way. So we're just going to do that and trust God with the results. God, give us uh, your wisdom and your strength through your spirit and your word that we rely on your word and not on our flesh, but on your strength and your spirit and your son, who is the head of the church. In his name we pray.